Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith, and as you all know, joining me today is... Liz. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing? Hey, doing good. I mean, I know that you had to work today and that you... We've been talking about this for months, of you coming in and doing this episode, so I'm super excited about that. I Are you excited? I am very excited. Yeah. I mean, it's we took probably a good half hour talking about how to do all of this because it's new for you and very new very new it's it's definitely different i think it's always fun to see people come into the office and like see our setup and how we do everything and then have people be like oh so this is what you do when you do this because i don't think people always imagine it the way that it really is yeah it's definitely different than i thought it was going to be i just want to say thank you liz for joining me on this while ryan is off on his cruise he leaves tomorrow technically but this will be released on a day that he's finally on his cruise we're recording it with you because it just makes it sound better well i mean i'm jealous of him but i'm happy to be here yeah i mean he will be in the bahamas in 70 degree weather drinking umbrella drinks like damn i want an umbrella drink Okay, well, after this, I promise I will give you an umbrella drink. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. We also do need to let you guys know that we are only doing two more episodes for this current season that we're in. Uh, As I have went through, I've realized that there are a lot of cases where people have claimed that the devil made them do it. However, those cases deal with children. So they were dealing with, like, one-year-olds and two-year-olds. How is that even possible? Right. And so it was people that were, like, murdering their infants. We here at this podcast studio take a very strong stance on things that we will talk about and things that we won't talk about. And we understand that everything deals with crime and we always want those stories to be told. But when it comes to an infant or a very young child, as you guys have heard in, I'm sure, plenty of the other episodes where we've had younger kids, I have a very hard time talking about that. And my husband does not like looking up the information for that. It's hard to see those photos. Because typically we we look at photos and crime scenes, things like that, to understand what we're doing. With all that said, we will give you more information next week on our final episode of what the newest season will be. Also, sorry if I still sound kind of just nasally. I am I'm over it, but I'm not over it all at the same time. With that said, let's get to our shout-outs. So we have Stacy S. Matthew S. And Mike E. Thank you guys so much for being callers. So callers, we have now talked about a husband who has killed his wife after an exorcism, a man who has believed that the devil had spoke to him through his phone, a mother who has believed her own mom was attacking her children with demons, and a house that inspired many, many, many movies. However, today we are going to be talking about an event that would not only send the court after the Vatican, but would later inspire the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's right. We are going to be talking about the case of Annalise Michelle. So with that said, let's jump into our time machine and buckle our seatbelts as we go across the pond to West Germany. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when your dad cannot be held responsible for any lost limbs. Here we are at the home of Joseph and Anna McCall, a couple who are deeply devout, loving parents with 
pride for their three daughters. That is, until they have another reason to become even more overjoyed when in September 21st, 1952, Anna gives birth to a fourth daughter who she names Annalise Mikkel. Until the age of 16, not much is fully known of Annalise. What is known, however, is that both Joseph and Anna are very strict in their Catholic faith. This causes Annalise to become so devout that she would end up at a young age trying to make reparations for the sins of bad priests and drug addicts by sleeping on a bare floor in the middle of winter. Okay, so I have to ask you, there's a lot of things that I'm like, oh, I might do that. This is probably not one of them. Do you feel bad for the priest and the drug addicts? And so you, would you sleep on a bare floor? No. Yeah, no, no, no. Definitely not in the middle of winter. I, I'm not sleeping on a bare floor in the middle of the summer. I'm not sleeping on the bare floor in the middle of winter. It is Germany in 1952. They just got out of the World War. You know that house does not have good plumbing. It does not have good heating. Yeah, but if it's a cement floor... In the middle of summer. Okay, that, yeah. That's probably pretty cool. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get I, you there. That might nice. be, that might feel like maybe air conditioning at that point in the middle of summer. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I might get on board a little bit for going at it at like summertime. That's right. Yeah, but I'm definitely not not somebody that's like, oh, it's freezing. Like, I'm always cold all the time. I'm not about ready to do that then. No. Definitely not. However, by the age of 16, Annalise has started to suffer from convulsions, which the doctors would tell her she's having epileptic attacks. Without much being known about epilepsy in 1969, the doctors try their best to help relieve her of the symptoms. Unfortunately, by the age of 21, Annalise starts to have problems with depression and has told people she is considering suicide. For months, every time Annalise goes to pray, she sees the face of the devil and hears him speaking to her. The voice tells her she is already damned. Could you imagine, you know me, you know that I have my faith. I know that you have yours. Could you imagine if you were like praying and you look up, boom, there's Satan? No. Because. Definitely not. <laughs> you know she's not seeing like the Satan that how he probably would look, which is probably pretty hot if we're being honest. She's right. probably seeing You sound like, like you're talking about Lucifer. Right. We're right. not talking about Lucifer from right. the show. But he is pretty hot and he's British. You know the devil's not hot or British. You know the devil wears the red cape. Oh, he's got girl. the red pointy things you, you and he's got he would, the you staff. Think, you think the full-on devil that's showing up to... Because I think that's what she's probably seeing is the red, red-horned uh, pitchfork yeah. devil. I, shit, if I looked up and saw a hot devil, I might be like, hey, girl, hey. Well, we all know you go in there anyway. Oh. So, of course you want him to be hot. Damn, you would say that. <laughs> You're Bro, welcome. It's a good thing I like you. <laughs> the face of the devil and his voice in her head have started to drive Annalise to the brink of insanity. She has now started to tear her clothes off when she hears the voice. And she's beginning to eat coal, hoping that her damnation would be purified. Even licking at her own urine because the voice would tell her that is all she could drink. First off, ew. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I would definitely not be eating coal. Let me tell you, this is not cold coal either that she got caught eating. Oh, it's like from the burning stove. Like it was cooler, but like she got caught at one point heating up a piece of coal and putting it into her mouth. Okay. Yeah. It, um, hmm. 
have you ever seen photos of Annalise, like, before Mm. and after photos? No, I don't think so. Okay, so as we go on, I will end up showing you some photos of her just so you have a better understanding of the girl that she was at 16. Now, mind you, the urine and all of that, this is happening over a course of period of time. It didn't all happen just at once. Yeah, over the years. Right. But uh, when when she's done, when, when she does pass away, she does not look like the person that you see in those photos years prior. Annalise is taken to a psychiatric hospital to be given medical attention. After many attempts, Annalise is growing more and more frustrated with the doctors. No one is believing her when she tells them that the face of the devil is appearing everywhere. Now, they even try stronger medication, and even that treatment is proving to be unsuccessful. Her depression has now only gotten worse. Why won't anyone just believe her when she tells them she is damned? Could you imagine, I want you to take yourself back to being her age, around her age, 17, 18. Could you imagine you're having what you believe to be the devil. You're seeing him everywhere. You're hearing that you're damned. Could you imagine just people not believing you in that like mm. emotion and feeling that you would go through? I could definitely feel what it would feel like. Yeah. I would probably have the same issues that she's having right now. Right. And I would be incredibly frustrated knowing that nobody will listen to me. Right. I feel like if I was her, I'd probably be like, okay, if somebody doesn't get in fucking line and just listen to me once when I tell them I'm seeing Satan. He's talking to me constantly. I'm going to throw a fucking chair through the psychiatric window. Like, we always stress, like, mental health here. Mm. I feel like that's one of the things that even back then was a big issue was some people just needed to be heard, go with the medication for that. But all they're really doing is just giving her medication that they have no idea what's doing to her. Yeah, like, it doesn't even seem like they're actually paying attention to what they're doing in the treatments and right, and, what it, and kind it's of actually making to, it worse yeah. for her. You know, like so. it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like these doctors are supposed to be here to help you figure out right what's going on inside of your mind and what's making you feel this way. Right, and they just don't seem to be doing that at all. Right, they just seem to be trying to give her medication to make her snap out of it. Well, that was like they put me on. Uh, they had put me on an antidepressant at one point to help me sleep. You saw me at work with that. I would have like horrible, horrible mood swings from it where I would just all of a sudden start crying. And it was because of the medication. And I didn't understand why at the time that that was the medication doing that to me. So, and that was one. They're doing multiple to her. And I can imagine I've, it is only becoming even more worse. I've been through multiple depression meds in my life. And I think I finally found the one that works. Yeah. But I mean it's it's a rough roller coaster. Yeah. Trying yeah. to trying any med. Right. And and especially in, you know, nineteen seventy. Because yeah, that's I can't, where I can't imagine trying to do this in nineteen seventy. Right. Because that's probably depression medication or anything of the form is probably at its earliest stage at that point. Yeah. So it would probably not be a fun time. Right. By June of 1970, Annalise would suffer her third seizure at the hospital, causing her to be prescribed anticonvulsants for the first time. However, the face of the devil is still appearing to her, and even more so now on that medication. By 1975, a now 23-year-old Annalise has found that not only is she annoyed, 
but she is simply just tired of being given new medications every day like a test animal. Annalise, being a devoted Catholic that she was raised to be, has decided she is going to write the church telling them of her problems. Everything from the face of the devil now being seen around every corner to her medical conditions only getting worse with each passing day. Yeah, so I have to say to that, if you really like, sometimes I feel like she's doing the right thing. At least in her mind, she is doing the right thing. If your doctors aren't listening to you, reach out to somebody else that you think will. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a test and trial type thing. See something, say something, and she's 1970s version of see something, say something. 100%. (laughs) She's doing what I'd be doing. Right. You were just, well, you ain't going to give me an answer. Somebody's going to give me a damn answer around here. yeah, because I'm not going to be like a test animal. I'm not your test animal. Uh, I'm a person. You you don't want to be a guinea pig? No. They're kind of cute. Are they, though? They're just kind of chubby, fat, little rodent-looking But I look chubby and fat. Are you, trying to, are you trying to tell me that you look like a guinea pig? I don't know. Do you eat guinea pig food? Yes. No. No. I'm just, I'm just playing say, with you. <laughs> I mean, you better not. That would be real weird. We would have to reevaluate our friendship if you were eating guinea pig food. Yes, we would. While waiting for the church to respond and looking for answers that she feels the hospital is simply not giving her, Annalise decides that her and another older woman would go on a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands to see if anything there could possibly stop what's going on. And for those of you that don't know, the Holy Lands is Jerusalem. Well, Israel in general, but typically Jerusalem. While they are there, Annalise convinces the companion to also write the church, which she agrees to do. In her letter, she states that Annalise has been suffering from demonic possession, giving examples of things that have happened to her, such as unable to walk past certain icons of Jesus Christ when offered water from a holy spring. She refused to drink it, saying it had a sour smell to it. Right. So the holy spring that they're actually at is a well and it is, to, to give you, I guess, Liz and the callers more context, uh, it's the Abraham's well. So it's the well that Abraham built prior to when he was in the promised land. And then people would go back to it later on. And that's where like the woman at the well is. There's there's a lot of very historical things that actually happen at Abraham's well. And it is, to date, the original well that was built there by Abraham. The only thing I can think of when I think of a well is the ring. Yeah, yeah. Little yeah. girl probably is down the well in that. Yeah, one. I can I can understand why it's got a sour smell too, because well water is not good. Oh, I love well water. I hate what? city water. Yeah, it's a whole thing. We'll talk about God, it later. Well, I'm telling you, we are we're gonna have to reevaluate our <laughs> friendship after this episode. <laughs> this is when her companion decides they need to talk to a local bishop about what is happening. After his examination, he confirms what Annalise has already believed to be true. Demonic possession. Could you imagine going to anybody and they're like, you're like, hey, got some real weird things going on. And all of a sudden they look at you and they're like, oh yeah, that's a demon. No. No, I I mean, I guess for her, I would be kind of happy about the news because I would feel... Like now you have answers. Yeah, like I'm getting the answers I wanted to get for so long. Right. So... For me, I'm just like, if they looked at me and they were like, hey, it's a demon, I'd be like, oh, so we're just going to let me leave. Like, we're not going to do nothing right here about it. Like, you go meet Satan today? Right. So, okay, well, we just, we're just going to do this. I'm going to go out now. The exit's over there. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, bye. (laughs) 
red flesh and just like the devil. Right. Not Lucifer. Oh, God. With this newfound information, Annalise returns home. Her parents are waiting with open arms as they, too, also believe the bishop when he says Annalise is truly suffering from demonic attacks. They have seen their daughter for years now, not getting better under the eyes of medical care. Now they believe it is time for God to have his eye on their daughter and show divine intervention. With the permission of the bishop and the Vatican, the rite of ritual Romanium. Romanium. Yep. All right. Of 1614 can now be performed on Annalise. Right. Uh, So it's ritual Romanium, which is the the Catholic rites of exorcism. But can we talk about how this ain't been updated since 1614? Yeah, that that's like, like there's a lot quite of a few issues. years ago. Quite a few. That's a lot, a lot of issues ago. Like there <laughs> is a big problem with you guys not updating maybe your canon, maybe the rules and or textbook, because I can think of some things that were happening in 1614 that weren't really that good for anybody. Kind of like the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, you got that one right. Yeah. So, which is probably when this was invented, because they were like, oh, everybody's probably possessed during that time. Uh, probably. You know. I mean, back in the day, they probably weren't very smart anyway, so. No, well, you being a woman and having that opinion would probably have gotten you burnt. 100%. Yeah. Probably. You know. I would have died. I would have went and seen Jesus. You 100%, if you were a living back in 1614, would have made it maybe a week. Probably. If we were doing it And I'm over, not going to lie. I want to. You know, think in my brain that I'd be going to see Jesus. But if it was me You're going back to in hell. that times, I'm going to go meet the devil too. You probably I'll be are. with you. You driving that bus. <laughs> I'll wait on the bench for you, okay? Okay. I'll see you there, girl. I'll see you there. All right. We can have a lot of fires. Oh, God. <laughs> Over the next 10 months, a total of 67 exorcism sessions are going to be held by Pastor Ernest Alt and Father Arnold Renz, as well as both of her parents. All would come in and out about one or two times a week over this period of time, and each exorcism process would last for up to four hours at a time. Um, okay, no. So, the father and the priest would both come to the parents' house, they would either put Annalise into a chair. They which, strap them down, right? Right. Typically, you're strapped down, like they strap mm-hmm. your wrist down, would like hold her down, things like that. And she, it, it, you know, it's just. It's an exorcism. Yeah, it, it, it's an exorcism, but you're doing it. Is there a card where you have to like clock in? Like, here for my exorcism. I mean, that might, that might be like what I'm doing at work, you know? Right. Oh, I have a better one. <laughs> After every seven exorcisms, do you get one free? I don't think that's how that works. No. I, no? You want it to be how it works? Because probably really wants there to be like an exorcism punch card. Are you trying and to tell me you want- it's a little face want, of the devil. You want me to tie you to this chair and perform an exorcism? <laughs> Girl. Like, you be getting it for free. Right. But I'm just saying, is there a little card that you just had an exorcism and then like, you're like, oh, nope, I need to turn one in. I need a, I need a free one. Well. Because somebody's no, getting paid. No, I'm, I'm going to guess that's definitely not something they have back then. <sighs> okay, Maybe nowadays, well, but if, not back then. If any of you callers 
have not started a business and would like to, maybe start an exorcism business where you have a punch card Oh, my goodness. I'm just saying. As these are going on, Annalise has now started to refuse any type of medication or medical care. Her appetite is nowhere to be found. She also keeps telling not only her parents, but also the pastor and father that her death is going to bring a form of atonement for other people's sins. Yeah, so she at this point is now believing she, if if she were to die, she would, because in the Catholic faith, there is the belief of purgatory. They believe that everybody goes to purgatory uh, and that you either get enough prayer to get to heaven or if not, or if you were just unrighteous in general, you will go to hell. But she is believing that her death will atone for people's sins that are in purgatory and they will be brought into heaven. If that makes any sense to you. I mean, it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. Right. And I'm not saying that it's rational thinking because clearly it is not. Being Nothing that she's thinking right now. right now is rational. Right. So, uh, But that is, that is really her belief is that if she dies, people that are in purgatory be stuck there anymore. They'll get out. I mean, that's kind of nice of her. Right. I mean, but not. Right. I'm not Catholic, but I'm telling you, I would never want to die because I want somebody else to get out of purgatory. You got your own family members. Contact one of them. And you ain't my mama or daddy. For real. Like you got in there. Right. Get, figure just, out how to get yourself out. If yeah. you got yourself in there, get yourself out. Exactly. It's not her fault that you're in there. It's yours. By July 1st, 1976, after hours of work and prayer, Annalise would fall asleep, tired, weak, and emotionally drained. And in a tragic turn of events, she would pass away while sleeping at the age of 23. Wow. Yeah, she is very, very young when she passes away. And there's not even a 10-year span between when she starts hearing the voices, seeing things, to mm-hmm. now I'm just gone. Like, and how many exorcisms have they performed on her at that? By the Only end. the four? Nope, by the end, the 67 in total was Holy done to her. Holy cow. Yep, so what they were doing, they were doing... Uh, the the two a week for the ten month period, and it was sixty seven in total. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I can I can definitely believe that she's weak and emotionally drained. Yeah, and you know, and she's. We need to also say, and I need to say this: she very much believed this. She was very much a willing participant, and she's told she is a she is an adult. I think people forget because they've seen the movie Exorcism of Emily Rose and they make her look very young at the time in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I think she was in college. Yeah, yep. And, and Annalise was in college and she was removed from the college at one point because of her seizures that she was having and brought back to the psychiatric ward. But with that, she is, she is a grown adult. She was refusing medical treatment. She was not eating. She was choosing not to eat. And I'm not victim blaming here. I'm not trying to make it sound like that. But I want people to understand, you see these photos of her. She looks so young, but she was a grown adult. She was in charge of her choices for all of this. So she pretty much just decided that she'd had enough. Right. Well, I don't want to say that she'd had enough, but that she, at the same time, she didn't want to keep being treated like a test animal. She didn't want to keep being treated. She wanted it to stop. And she needed somebody to understand it. And so the church coming in and getting involved really did help her in that aspect. The The refusal of medical treatment was solely on her. That is not on the parents. And I just, I'm prefacing this more because we're going to get into the trial here in a minute. 
and it might make people mad as to the outcome of the trial. I mean, yeah, but with her not getting anything from the medical field in any way, I can right. kind of see why she would refuse right. medical if, treatment. If you're not getting your answers in one place and you go to another place and you feel like, because she did feel like they were helping, she did feel like the exorcisms were at one point helping, even up until the end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably do the same thing. Investigators are called in when the young body of Annalise is taken from her family home. After an autopsy of her body is done, Father Arnold Renz, Pastor Ernest Alt, and her father, Joseph McCall, and her mother, Anna McCall, are all brought up on the charges of negligent manslaughter for failing to call a medical doctor to address Annalise's refusal to eat. Yeah, so that's kind of why I went into that thing a little bit ago. Yeah. Because they're now being charged on something that Annalise has refused any kind of treatment. So now now the callers understand. Now you understand why I kind of went. I jumped, I jumped the gun a little bit, but I wanted it to be known before we got there because some people well, might yeah. be like, what the She's fuck? been a legal adult since she was 18. Right, right. She died at 23. And I guess it poses the question of if you are underneath the care of somebody, you're involved in something and you know that somebody needs medical care, do you personally think that like you should have to report it or do you think that that that's because say you're say you're her parent and you've tried to call the hospital, you've tried to get help. What if the doctor I don't know if the doctors were coming to her at that point. I couldn't find out if like they were coming and she was refusing any kind of help because a doctor is going to get pulled into the trial at one point that does have a conversation with her. To you, do you feel like it's your responsibility as a parent, no matter what your child's age is, even if they're refusing treatment, do you think that they should have forced her back into the hospital? Oh, that's hard. Um, Yes and no. Yes, because I would want her to get the help that she needs and, you know, so she could live right. her life. But at the same time, I would also, as a parent, being a parent to a now adult, I would also like to, you know, try to trust that they know, right. like, what they're doing with their lives. Right. Like, I, I would want to be there and be kind of like a cheerleader in a way, just... So you feel like you would almost, in a way, take a stance that her parents have taken, which is having the exorcisms take place, being there. Yeah. But do you think that they could have done more to prevent her from passing away? I mean, it's not like And and I'm saying I want you to think of this as like a jury member. You're in the jury and you're hearing this. I mean, it's not like they can force food down her throat. Right. I mean, well, nowadays they can. Well, yeah, but... I mean, they can't force food down her throat. And if you don't eat, right? I mean, you're going to die anyway without food. Right. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with that. I just, I kind of wanted you to take on it because as I read this, see, I'd always known the story, but I didn't know, I didn't know that her parents were also brought up on charges. I knew that the church had been brought up on charges against her, like negligence against her. So I want to, I want to reverse this a little bit and say, I do fully believe that the church should have been charged for her death because you are now in a position of power above them where she has put her full... It would be like if your doctor purposely gave you things to kill you. Yeah, like she's putting her her full trust into into these... 
into these two men. And if they yeah. notice that she's not eating or things like that, they should have taken steps to encourage her to eat, do things yeah. that needed to get done. Just and, try to trick her into it yeah, in it, some well, type of way. Right. And, and throughout all of my research, I never found any of them ever saying like, hey, we tried to get her to eat. The parents tried to get her to eat and they couldn't yeah. have that happen. But for like this part, for them, not really in your corner on that one. Like I would back the parents before I backed you. Yeah, I I would definitely back the parents before I would back them. Right. For sure. That now brings us to the trial. Oh boy. Yep. Here we go. Oh yeah, this is going to be a good one. I mean, can we just talk about how incredibly different the movie is from the real thing? We will talk about that at the very end. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, we, you and I will definitely have a conversation about that at the end of this. So by the time, by March 30th, 1987, trial is now underway to find out if anybody could have done more to save Annalise's life. Dr. Richard Roth is brought up on the stand and asked what he told Father Alt when he called. He stated that on March 30th, 1976, he had gone to witness one of the exorcisms, and while there, he said... There is no injection against the devil, Annalise. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Richard Roth actually would not uh, go into much of what he saw because it scared him that bad. I would probably be the same. Right. I don't think I could stand in on an exorcism. Right. And Richard Roth, uh, Dr. Richard Roth is the one that he is called by the parents to try to get Annalise to eat. He had made several, like, attempts. He is the main doctor of them. And back then, you would call a doctor and they would literally come to your home. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. At least over in Germany, that's how they did it. I don't know if they did it like that here in America. That would be nice. The Vatican even became involved, getting both the pastor and the priest some of the best lawyers anyone could have at the time. Both had stood by their convictions that Annalise was truly possessed and even had the tapes of their exorcism brought into the courtroom. This is why they would claim it is a demon arguing with each other while the court listens on. We are going to play you guys some audio of uh, what they used in court. Of their tapes? Yeah. yep. I I will just say, hands down, they are very weird to hear her speak normal and then not speak normal at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did hear a little bit of that in the movie, too. Like, Yes, yes, yes. You could definitely tell it was a different person talking. So they're, the whole thing, uh, I want to say all of them are out on YouTube, and I will post those links in the show notes, but we're going to pause for a moment, we're going to play you this audio, and then we will get back to the rest of how this trial goes. Okay, so we both listened to that, and I showed you photos of Annalise before and after uh, when she was, you know, when she was a younger girl. I think the photo is from when she's 16 and then at the end of her life. So I just want to know, like, what are you thinking right now? Um, Well, for one, I have chills. Right. It is Just seeing that. I mean, she was such a beautiful young girl with, like, so much life ahead of her. Right. And then seeing the picture of when she died, she just 
she doesn't look like herself at all. Yeah, yeah. And, like, at all. And then you hear this audio of her, and I could not imagine being a jury member and being like, oh, hey, that isn't weird. Yeah, that's that's definitely not a woman's voice coming out of her. No, and she at one point, and, and I know I didn't play it that part for you, but at one point she starts speaking a completely different language that she would not have known how to speak. Oh. Because, okay. I, you know, she doesn't speak English. She is from Germany. Yeah. But uh, she starts speaking, like, very heavily into Latin and Hebrew, like ancient Hebrew at one point. Yeah, something she didn't know. And then all of a sudden she just starts right. speaking it. Right, and now she knows. And then— That would be like me starting to speak Spanish to you right now. Right, and there's audio of her knowing things about, like, the pastor and the father— that she knowing things like she knew personal information about them that she shouldn't have known. Okay, that's really creepy. Yeah. So, like at one point, uh, one of the I want to say, and it's either in the book that they talk about it of the exorcism of Annalise, or it's in the audio. But they at one point say something along the lines of like, "Who am I married to?" or this or that, and the priest had never told anybody that he had been married or some, it was something around that fact or that Mm -hmm. the father had had like an extra, like the pastor had like a different wife prior. There was just information that shouldn't have been known that That only he knew, right? That that person only knew. And all of a sudden Annalise knew it. Okay. That's really creepy. Yeah. It was very weird. I just kind of added into the weird creep factor to it. No, no. Yeah. I have nothing more to say. I, right. just, I don't I don't have words. Both said that they believed she was fully exercised just before she had died, and that it was the demons leaving her body that caused her to lose her earthly body. And she had gone to be with the Lord. There she would be seen as a martyr, receiving higher reward in heaven from God as she had fought with the devil and had won. The jury, however, is not buying what the lawyers are selling, and find all four people guilty of manslaughter resulting from their negligence. Each is given only a six-month period in prison, followed by three years probation. However, the six months would later be suspended as the court found, even though they had been negligent, they believed Annalise was a willing participant and would have refused treatment even if it was being offered to her. Right, and we, you and I had talked about that a little bit. She was offered it, and she did refuse it. I kind of agree with the court's ruling of, we're going to put you on probation, like, at least with the parents. Like, you, you guys did something wrong, You, but at the same time, there has to be the accountability somewhere. Yeah, somebody has to take the blame, but right, even but on who, the parents. I Back in this time, and I mean, I can't imagine... Being a parent and having a priest to tell me that my daughter has a demon inside of her. Right. And not just one. There is... There's like six of them or something, isn't there? there, There's a total of like nine, nine or ten, and they are claiming to be like Hitler and Cain and Judas. The thing is, is like, so we talked about this back in the first episode where there's like murder, violence, and vengeance that were the three that were left in the one guy, which... That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Demons are liars. I don't think any of them were Judas. I don't think they were Cain or Hitler. Because when you die, you don't become like a demon. Yeah, no. Demons are fallen angels. But what I think it is, is like, 
they are presenting themselves in a certain that could be that they were presenting themselves in a certain way in her mind that represented Kane or yeah, I mean you know Hitler or Jesus, you know she lives in Germany, so right Hitler is any, of course yeah even if she's in West Germany, like Hitler to her would have been a, a demon. Yeah, one hundred percent. If he even if he wasn't even if they weren't affected in that way because she was German, so I'm guessing that like her family didn't have that that same side effect as everybody else around them was having. That yeah, was they they weren't getting put in the gas chambers. Right. Uh, she God. still would probably have seen him as a villain even near the end of the war because you're finding out all of these atrocious things yeah. that happened. The church, however, has now faced an even larger problem. Now with a guilty verdict against them, the church has come to the conclusion that only under very rare circumstances will they ever become involved with exorcisms, a stance that the later popes would debate even till today. So, callers, there you have the case of Annalise Michelle. Was she truly possessed? Or was she a young girl possibly suffering from over-medication and multiple personality? Write in and let us know. I have to ask you, what what is your opinion? I mean, I would just have to listen to the audio alone. Yeah. And know that she was possessed. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that she was 100% possessed. Okay. So I'm going to take a different road. Of course you are. I know. I actually don't think she was possessed. I think she was suffering from multiple personality disorder. And that will cause people to have different voices and different inflection with what they're doing. Yes, but and with a heavily a multiple personality of a demon, it's possible because she's had such. You have to understand she's lived underneath very strict guidance from her parents, who are very devout Catholics. I mean, like they're so devout that they're going once a day to to a church. I think that that may have been it, but I. When I hear those tapes at the same time, and I know that, like, she knew information she shouldn't have, then I'm like, well, maybe there was a possession. But maybe it was, part of me thinks that maybe both could be the same thing and true at the same time. That Mm. there was a breaking of her mind that was causing, like, a multiple personality issue, but also that there was demonic possession. Like, I, I... So you think that... I think they might be mutually one of, exclusive one of at her this time. Other personalities could have possibly what is was possessed. Yeah, and but within possibly, that, she would also be possessed. Would right, she not? Right, right. Yeah. So I'm right. I'm gonna go with yes, just because you're giving me that look. That's like if right. I don't, that's I right. I will you all heard every that. decision. You all heard that. Well, you told so, me I was right. Yep. And first time you're beautiful. It's recorded. Yes, it is recorded. So. We, we kind of hinted at it earlier a little bit, but there are a lot of differences from the movie compared to the real-life story. In the real-life story, we know that she's quite older in the movie. They make her look like she's 16. Yeah. There's a lot of... there's. There's a lot of her like jumping up and like scratching the walls, things like that. Yeah, in the eating movie. bugs and she was caught eating bugs at one point. Oh, um, that was the thing. Yes. Oh, okay. Um. But there, she Gross. didn't have like that long hair. She wasn't like bending backwards and spider crawling anywhere. Yeah, that was um incredibly creepy to watch. Yeah, she didn't like being around religious icons like figures at one point. But there was never like. There wasn't the her being attacked in a dorm room or, you know, because in the movie it shows her being, like, 
physically attack like yeah like she's laying laying is in attacking bed. her and she yeah yeah because then she runs out into the hallway right and, and that's where she sees satan for yeah. the first time yeah so that never happened and that she was she at that point was already having seizures uh when she went into college as you know in real life she had suffered three over a course of her life but most of like her college friends said that she was pretty withdrawn in uh, that she didn't really talk to a whole lot of people. Well, her being Catholic and brought up the way right. she was, I can see. Right. And in the movie, it kind of makes it seem like she had quite a bit of friends, I want to say. And then, like, all of a sudden, yeah, she all doesn't sudden, have yeah. any. And that's just, that's not how it was. I want to say that she had, fr- the few friends that she had, I want to say, were in the church. And the older woman that took well, her. I would assume. Right. The older woman that took her was a nun from the church on her pilgrimage. There was not there, there's a there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of like, hey, we Hollywooded this movie up. Uh, yeah, I think they kind of definitely Hollywooded it up. Yeah, I won't lie though. The first time me and my mom ever saw that movie, we were in the theater and the part where she gets to the church and she's like reaching and her back is bending and she like snaps her head over to the side. Mm-hmm. People in the theater screamed. And me and my mom laughed because we thought it was so overdramatic and so hilarious. We laughed. It was just, to us, it was not scary. It was hilarious. Well, we all know that you're going to hell, so that's probably why you laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Well, anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to our story of Annalise Michelle. Mikhail. I keep saying Michelle. I probably will for the rest of my life. I said it once, too. It's okay. Yeah, it's Mikkel. Please don't forget to follow us on the socials at facebook.com slash callisdead. You can follow us on TikTok at callusdead, where you can see some videos of ourselves, or better yet, our big chunky cat, Jakaris, the little baby sugar gliders, Emma and Regina, and of course, our perfect pooches, Lola and Bailey. Or you can email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case, ask questions, Suggest some cases, as I did for this one. Yes, you did. Or just say hi. But until then... Remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. Know there is always hope. And if you forget, you can always... Call call us us when when you're you're dead. dead.